1: This is a candidate forum for Republican candidates for Utah governor. In depth conversations with Boyd Matheson, host of KSL's Inside Sources, and Miles Hansen, president and CEO of Utah's World Trade Center, on KSL News Radio. Welcome everyone to a special 90 minute forum here on KSL News Radio. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News. Very grateful to be joined by friend and colleague Miles Hansen, CEO of World Trade Center Utah, as we have this important discussion with the four Republican candidates vying for the nomination. Coming up here on June 30th. Just a reminder that today's forum will be available to listen to on demand on KSL News Radio, KSL Politics Podcast, as well as the Inside Sources Podcast, accessible on the KSL News Radio app and at kslnewsradio.com. And this is just going to be a fascinating conversation, an important conversation. And uh, Miles, uh, very grateful to have the opportunity to tag team partner with you uh, on this conversation. Uh, when the opportunity arose, it was like, okay, World Trade Center, Utah. Utah is so well positioned to really lead out, not just in the country, but around the world. And uh, grateful to have you here with us as a part of the tag team question uh, crew as we
2: get to these debates today. Thank you, Boyd, for having us. And I'm really grateful for the partnership with uh, KSL News Radio and the chance to have you be uh, my tag team partner in running through these questions and having this discussion with each of the candidates. This is such an important topic and such a pivotal moment in our state's history, our country's history, and, and really around the world. As we think about uh, COVID-19, as we look at some of the, the, the social unrest, you know, these are big, important issues, and they're all taking place within a global framework and context. And Boyd, you've been such a consistent voice for many years on the importance of Utah continuing to lead out nationally and internationally. Um, So today we're gonna be talking with the candidates about the legacy of international engagement that we've had here in the state of Utah since our founding, the vision that each candidate has for how they would lead out and, and carry on this legacy, and then dive down into the specific policies and actions that they would take to make sure that this global engagement is driving prosperity here at home and across the country.
1: Fantastic. And our forum today again focused more on this unique place of Utah in the world. We know there are many other issues that are being uh, debated in a lot of the other forums and debates that have been happening as we come down the home stretch of this uh, Republican governor's race. And so today we will focus primarily on uh, the economics, the international component to this, and we'll uh, let the other forums uh, handle some of those other issues as well. All right, we're going to get right at it then. Uh, Our uh, first candidate to join us today and we did agree that we would do introductions and then uh, use first names after that so we will welcome the lieutenant governor uh, to the state of utah spencer cox spencer thanks for joining us today
3: boyd and miles it's always great to be with you thank you for putting this on
1: all right we're going to get right at it uh, and we're going to do this deep dive uh, style today so uh, i will uh, lob the first question and we'll, we'll get underway uh, so, Spencer, Utah has a, a a rich history, long heritage as it relates to being a, a force for good, uh, not just in the state, in the West, not just in the nation, but around the world. Uh, we've got this amazing free market economy, strong institutions of civil society. And so what do you think uh, that legacy is? Why is that important? And what does it mean to you uh, as a possible governor uh, to carry that legacy forward during this real pivotal period? Uh, excuse me, pivotal time, uh, in, uh, in the history of the country and the world.
3: Well, Boyd, it's, it's a really important question. And thank you. And thank you to your listeners who are joining us today. Um, Utah does have an incredible legacy of, of impacting not just our nation, but, but our world. And uh, a lot of people don't know this, but as the lieutenant governor, uh, I serve as the secretary of state. And over the past seven years, I have met with hundreds of international diplomats and, and dignitaries, ambassadors and business leaders, trade delegations from all over the world, uh, and Utah receives significant international attention. We're we're not the same state we were just ten years ago. No other state our size has nearly as many international guests as we do. We benefit from uh, from a lot of Utah stakeholders who have significant international presence. We have, of course, a, a major international religion headquarter here in Utah. Um, we hosted the 2002 Winter Olympics. Uh, in 2019, just last year, we hosted the UN Civil Society Conference. Uh, several of our universities uh, have international reach and, and a physical pre- presence elsewhere. And, uh, and of course, even our, our own Utah Jazz are the uh, the most international team in the NBA. NBA right now. Um, but we are also a state built on foreign immigrants. Um, we understand foreign cultures because they are literally part of our DNA. Um, we have as we've grown, we've we welcome new refugees and immigrants. They become part of the fabric of our state. Uh, but we also understand the importance of international business. Utah is the rare inland state that understands the importance of international logistics. And uh, and we are developing an inland port, which is going to help us just broaden those opportunities. As governor, I will continue this strong legacy with an unwavering devotion and uh and, and increased um international growth we um i some of my own ancestors came from england their faith brought them here one one of my ancestors was actually a servant uh to the queen of england uh back in the uh, the 1800s but but here in the united states she she found an opportunity to become her own master and to create her own opportunity and today utah still stands as as a beacon of of economic opportunity, an exemplar of, of that international hospitality. And as we welcome the world, um, we will continue to prosper here in the state of Utah. All right.
2: Miles. Yeah, great. That's a thank you, Spencer, for that overview. You know, from the World Trade Center Utah perspective, we are here to help facilitate that international engagement. We appreciate you've always been a great partner to us in that effort. And then to translate that into very distinct economic benefits for Utah companies here in the state. And then just a little bit of data for for, for you and the listeners, and then I'll ask a question. So international trade and investment now supports nearly one in four jobs here in the state of Utah. You know that Utah's economy, that the backbone of our economy is small business. 85% of exporters in the state are small businesses. And international sales add more than $5 billion in revenue for Utah small businesses here in the state and for the past two years, Utah has led the nation with the highest export growth rate. So now a question, based on your interaction with businesses across the state, where do you see the greatest opportunities to build on the international trade investment success we've had, particularly now as we look forward towards recovering from the COVID-19 pandemic?
3: Well, I'm so glad, Miles, that you shared that data, because I, I think most Utahns are surprised when I tell them, did you know that we have led the nation in, in economic growth, international economic growth over the past two years? Again, that's mind boggling. When we have these foreign delegations come, they say, we, we see the numbers. We're trying to figure out what's happening here in Utah. Why is Utah the best state to do business, not just nationally, but internationally? And right now we are witnessing the greatest international relations calibration, perhaps in, in, in world history, within this, you know, this chaos that we're facing, there is an optimal way forward. Uh, but our strategy must be to create international opportunities for Utah businesses, People will come and, and go, but Utah businesses will be the greatest asset uh, to the Utah international brand. It really is focusing internally for us to su- succeed externally. Um, and, and Utah is the best position state to take advantage coming out of this crisis. We know, um, we know, again, what businesses are part of the United Kingdom brand. We know what businesses are part of the, you know, the, the five Asian Tigers brand. Um. International dynamics post-COVID-19, though, will separate the have from the have-nots like nothing we have ever seen. We, we really have an opportunity here to lean in. We have to remember that the, the foundations of our economy here in Utah were strong. Pre coronavirus, and and that matters. We led the nation in private sector job growth over the uh, over the last ten years. Um, we we have the the most diverse economy in the nation, and that's going to allow Utah to be a big winner coming out of the uh, of the coronavirus. We must help especially manufacturers pivot to producing those goods that have strong demand in international markets. We must focus on recruiting international businesses that will stabilize, stabilize the supply chains in Utah's critical industry. Um, this is going to be the biggest change post pandemic is a nationwide focus, a refocus on onshoring and uh, creating, you know, domestic manufacturing capacity. And Utah can be in the middle of this. Um, I have been part of seeing those supply chains break down in Asia, China especially. Um, it's why I released recently uh, my self-reliant Utah plan. It's a seven-step plan that outlines the key areas our state needs to focus on to become more resilient, stable, and, pro- and uh, prosperous in coming decades. Um, a quick example of this is the Merit Medical, who pivoted to start making the swabs necessary for testing, something they never would have considered making. However, the demand for these swabs remains strong and allows them to enter the market they had never considered, uh, but for which there is a significant demand. We are going to see a manufacturing renaissance post-COVID here in this country, and Utah is going to lead that movement. All right. You know,
2: Boyd, I think it's important right there because Spencer brought up a really good example with Merit Medical. I was on a call uh, just about a week and a half ago at the White House talking about the opportunity we have. To reassure, uh companies back here to the United States and Merit Medical, the, the the success that they've had, what they've done, is something that's recognized there and across the country, and it's a great example of the way that Utah can pivot and can uh, succeed as we move forward in this, this this COVID world that we're all living in.
1: Absolutely, and uh, we're about halfway in here, Spencer. So if you're just joining us, so this is part of a special 90 minute uh, gubernatorial forum here on KSL News Radio. I'm Boyd Matheson, joined by Miles Hansen from World Trade Center Utah uh currently in the hot seat is uh Spencer Cox lieutenant governor and uh, so we're going to pick up the pace here just a little bit spencer as we go forward as we talk about the economic prosperity uh, all of the opportunities that the state has i want to really drive it down to the the individual level what it means for us and in particular as we talk about economic prosperity how do we ensure that our minority communities and our rural communities are part of that prosperity here in the state of Utah?
3: Yeah, thanks, Boyd. I'll, I'll be a little quicker on these answers. Um, I know we do have a limited time, but uh, four years ago, I had the opportunity to partner with the World Trade Center and to take our message out to rural communities, to share with them uh, the, the ability to open markets so that they could take advantage of this incredible success that we're seeing here as a state. But unfortunately, is leaving some of them out. Just a couple quick numbers. In in uh, 2019, Utah had approximately 17.3 billion in exports, but very little of that is going to rural or minority businesses. Um, the, uh, the the uh, the business roundtable estimates that there are more than 380 thousand nine thousand jobs in Utah that are supported by trade. Um, that's an increase of ten over ten percent in Utah jobs. Um, so so we're we're seeing that, but we want to make sure. Everybody can participate in that. Um, we have Bailey Farms in rural Utah where they're cubing hay and selling it to, uh, to Asia and the Middle East. That's one example of, of a rural company that's been able to figure this out. Let me just conclude by saying this. It, it is our big, biggest weakness, getting that out to our minority communities, multicultural communities and rural communities. Currently, the Governor's Office of Economic Development and the World Trade Center have a combined total of one export outreach specialist. That is unacceptable. We need to have a dramatically better outreach program. Again, this isn't about bringing the world to Utah. It's about knowing Utah businesses well enough to take them to the world. We've already opened the doors to the world, but we have to understand our local economy and our local businesses and then help them make that connection. And that's why we have the World Trade Center.
2: All right, next question to Miles. Yep, absolutely. You know The, the one specialist, Jim Porter, there's only one of them, but he's doing phenomenal work. We're working through great partners across the state to really do make a, a, big, uh, a big impact for our companies. You know, Spencer, we've, we've talked about how the economy has changed, and we've talked about the, the need and the opportunity to be prepared, to be self-reliant, to bring back manufacturers here to Utah as people realize that the premium having shorter, more diversified supply chains, And yet at the same time, we're seeing an increase in protectionist sentiments. People are fearful about the global economy. Uh, People want security. And you see people talking about putting up trade barriers to try to achieve that security. Here in Utah, we all should be familiar with Smoot-Hawley and uh, protectionist trade policies that came into place in the midst of the Great Depression. It made things worse. I'd be curious to get your thoughts on, as governor, how would you balance the need to be prepared and self-reliant? Well, ensuring that as a state, we don't lose sight of the critical role free and open global markets have played in building so much growth and
3: prosperity across the state <laughs> for decades. It, it, thanks, Miles. Uh, so, so important. Uh, and and. Too often in politics um, in our country today, we're always asked to uh, we're given a false choice that you either have to choose between our our local economies and our local workers, or we have to choose free tra- free trade with other countries. Um, that that is a false choice. It's important to note that protectionist policies have have always backfired. You just mentioned one of them. While open and free trade has always led to more pos- prosperity, and and the COVID impacts on the world economy will provide an opportunity to benefit the state if we can help Utah businesses to understand and benefit from that changing international dynamics. We, we can't deviate from the, this critical foundation of free trade, but we can work with our federal partners to aggressively pr- pr- pursue and protect free trade. We, we also, though, must push back on the harmful and, and predatory trade policies that some nations employ. Um, being protectionist is happening. And I think it's important to ask that question. Why are we becoming more protectionist? Well, there's two reasons. One, because other countries are not playing fairly. Um, we have to have the right set of rules and we have to push back on those co- countries like China who are taking advantage of us. And I'm grateful that the president has been pushing back on them. But two, we also can't forget. Those workers who have lost their jobs because of free trade, Um, we have to make sure that we're doing everything we can to help them to reskill them, to upskill them, to make sure that they have the ability to participate in the areas of our economy that are growing. I strongly believe that if we are incredibly thoughtful and intentional. the, The changing global dynamics will allow Utah to create a more prominent global position and correct significant trade imbalances without having. To rely on protectionist policies. Um, but, but again, it comes back to Utah businesses and how we help them prepare to become more prominent on the world stage, not the other way around.
1: All right, we've got just a, a few minutes left with uh, Lieutenant Governor Spencer Cox. Uh, Spencer, uh, as you look at the uh, possibility of uh, winning this race and potentially winning uh, in November. Uh, As you look to the first 100 days, uh, what do you think are the, the biggest risks facing the Utah economy? And specifically, what would you do in those first 100 days? Uh, to make sure that continues
3: well well certainly I mean that's you know it, it's an easy question and everyone can answer this the uh, the biggest risk that we face right now is is the coronavirus and the the significant economic damage that it has done um, but there are some silver linings um, we have the, uh, the, the the fifth fewest restrictions economically of any any state in the nation um, we led the nation in fewest job losses uh, in the month of April um, we are uh, according to Forbes according According to the the White House, according to uh, according to Harvard, we are one of ten states that will lead the nation's economic recovery. More broadly, though, our biggest risk is a failure to capitalize on all the international capabilities of our businesses and our people. In Utah, we speak more languages than uh, per capita than any other state in the nation. In, in, in Utah, we have access to infrastructure for efficient delivery of our Utah produced goods, including the inland port which is moving forward in a big way in our utah businesses ship raw goods uh airplane parts agricultural goods uh airbags you know integrated circuits coal healthcare all of these things and products all over the globe we have so many international capabilities our biggest risk and where we have the biggest opportunity is capitalizing on all of our international capabilities and that's where we're going to focus in a cox henderson administration
1: all right we've got just uh, two minutes to go Uh, miles quick question and uh spencer really quick answer
2: Yes, Spencer, as you think about, we've covered a lot of territory here. Are there any economic or global opportunities that we haven't talked about yet? That you would pursue as, as governor. And you can take a step back and, and, and get broader beyond just the international trade investment. Uh, cl- final thoughts from you on what other policies you'd pursue as governor?
3: Well, again, uh, let me just summarize here. Uh, it, it's about focusing on Utah businesses. We live in the most incredible state in the nation. There's a reason that we have had the best economy in the nation over the past 10 years. And there is a reason that we are going to lead this nation out of this uh, economic crisis. Um, we're not yet utilizing some basic opportunities for that international growth. One quick example, my alma mater, uh, Utah State University, Go Aggies, holds one of the largest international small satellite conferences every year, a conference most of you have probably never heard of. We have prominent businesses and organizations coming in from all over the world to attend. We need to do a better job of working with those businesses who may want to partner with with these businesses but aren't even aware and and aren't attending. I believe that the diplomacy is important, and as governor, I would use diplomatic resources relationships with foreign elected officials for Utah businesses. We also have not done a great job of harnessing the power that comes from international business to business settings. We need to target more international trade shows, air shows and other places where we can optimize the state's influence with those we want to attract to the state. Um, But but let me just conclude by saying this. we uh, we are so lucky to live here in the state of Utah. It is a matter of focus, but the focus needs to be inward, making sure that we are preparing our businesses for the global market. That's what I've done over the past uh, seven years. And that's what I will continue to do as governor of this great state. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. And uh, remember to vote Cox Anderson.
1: All right. Lieutenant Governor Spencer Cox, thanks so much for joining us today. We'll let you uh, exit uh, stage right and uh, appreciate your uh, time there as we uh, reset the schedule here. Uh, again, if you're just joining us on KSL News Radio, I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News. Great to be joined today by my tag team partner, Miles Hansen, CEO of World Trade Center Utah in a special candidate forum featuring the candidates for governor uh, for the nomination of the Republican Party coming up here on June thirtieth, ballots uh, should be hitting your mailbox. If they didn't yesterday, they should today. We want everyone to engage and vote. And I think we are just waiting for uh, Ambassador Huntsman to join us. Uh, if you did miss the uh, any portion of the debate today, you can uh, go and pick that up on our uh, podcast on Inside Sources or on the KSL News Radio app. All right, I think we've got uh, Ambassador John Huntsman on the line. You there, Ambassador? Hey, Boyd, can you hear me? There we go. And, uh, Great. welcome, uh, to this forum. And, uh, especially, uh, we know you're, uh, not at 110%, uh, as you would be, uh, with the coronavirus, but we appreciate you stepping up and taking a swing today. And, uh, we're going to go fast and furious on, on this round. Uh, we welcome you to the, the program. Uh, Miles Hansen and I will be, uh, doing the drilling and we'll see how much ground we can cover in the next 17 minutes. And I want to dive right into it, uh, and get into, uh, Utah has this uh, history and this rich legacy of being uh, really a, a window in and a window out to the world uh, when it comes to a free market economy and strong institutions of civil society. And uh, I want you to, to start by just sharing with us uh, your vision. Why, as governor, would it be important for you uh, to make sure we carry on that legacy Uh, of pressing out uh, to the country and to the world? And what would you do uh, to make sure that in a very challenging time in world history that Utah continues to lead?
4: Well, boy, thanks for having me. And Miles, it's a pleasure to be with you, my friend. Uh, I'm I'm glad we're talking about the World Trade Center. It was something that uh, was a big part of what I did when I was governor last time. And uh, I brought in Lou Kramer to be the first director, and he really did a terrific job in terms of maximizing our potential. And a lot of it uh, stemmed from my basic and fundamental belief, which is not unique. I think anybody might have this, is that you cannot uh, prosper as an economy. I don't care whether you're uh, an ocean uh, 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 going uh, state like California or New York or whether you're landlocked like we are. You have to be engaged with the rest of the world because ultimately markets are going to be interested in your products. And exporters, uh, whether they're agriculture or small or medium sized businesses, can access those export opportunities, which bring in revenue uh, and uh, and employ people. I mean, you've looked at the numbers here. I mean, one in four of our jobs is tied to exports in the agricultural sector. It's uh, it's a good twenty percent. You know, twenty percent of our state's GDP is uh, is tied to exports, and, and ag, uh, the ag sector alone is probably half a billion dollars. So I think we're scratching the surface. I think the World Trade Center has 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 delivered on what the original vision was which is to be a convening center where people can learn about market opportunities that they wouldn't have any reason to know about otherwise. And it's there that they could access uh, experts. Uh, they could be explained the basics about how you get a product into a foreign market, which is sometimes a very complicated thing to do. And I think that will always be part of our uh, economic base. And we're an entrepreneurial state. We've got startup companies that immediately after they start have products that uh, are destined or ripe for foreign markets. And the only way to maximize our state's potential is to have a window to the rest of the world that gives people clear knowledge and understanding of what some of those uh, opportunities could be. So let me just say the here and now, though, is I've never seen a more uh, remarkable convergence of politics and economics and, and frankly, uncertainty that allow for Utah to seize the moment. So we have a moment in time that you know just isn't ordinary, where by establishing ourselves as a crossroads of the world, I think we can establish a position uh, as a go-to market, uh, surrounded by a sea of confusion and instability, marketing ourselves as a center of calm, predictability, reliability, regulations that aren't onerous, taxes that are low, a clean state uh, in that sense, because I think the uh, migration of labor, movement of capital and manufacturing that we're going to see in the next few years is probably unlike any time since World War II. So to have a governor who understands these trends, uh, how the markets move uh, and can bring it home, I think will be a huge opportunity for this state, but we've got to get after it and understand basically how best to market the state and how to present ourselves And all capital, uh, as both of you know, uh, looks for a safe haven to park itself. And right now, I'm guessing you have probably a trillion or more dollars that's up for grabs, whether it's uh, private equity or whether it's venture capital, uh, that is looking for safe havens. You've got manufacturing and supply chain opportunities that are going to leave some of the riskier markets, uh, and they're going to find other safe havens. So I've never seen the global marketplace so full of opportunities for this state if we play our cards right. And the World Trade Center can absolutely be a leader in, in forging out ahead, uh, helping with a plan, helping articulate the assets and the opportunities that exist in this state in collaboration with the private sector.
2: John, thank you for for being with us today. And thank you for for setting up the World Trade Center in Utah. It gave me an opportunity to come back here to Utah Otherwise, I'd still be in Washington, D.C., or living overseas somewhere. And thank you. I'm glad you brought up Lou Kramer. Lou Kramer, for anybody who knows him, and that's just about everybody, they know that he's the greatest import to the state of Utah probably since Brigham Young. Johnny, you talked a little bit about uh, some of the data and how important international trade and investment is to our economy. uh, How It's been that way for decades. It will continue to be that way. Uh, A couple more data points for our listeners. Uh, We all know that small business is the backbone of Utah's economy. 85% of Utah's exporters are small businesses with international sales adding nearly $5 billion in revenue for these small businesses every single year. And for the past two years, Utah has led the nation uh, with the highest export growth rate in our country. Based on your interaction with businesses across the state, where do you see the greatest opportunities to build on the international trade and investment success we've had, particularly now as we look towards recovering from the COVID pandemic?
4: Well, with, with the marketplaces in flux, it may be impossible to answer that question because I'm one who believes in the free market. Uh, I think we have opportunities that are yet unborn. And I think over the next few years, we're, we're going to find some opportunities, new startup businesses combined with existing manufacturers and small businesses who will have uh, a a heyday as it relates to export opportunities. Let's remember that the marketplace is flat right now. In fact, I talked to a major manufacturing company yesterday, uh, their CEO, uh, who basically said they have not had orders from some of the major markets of the world since February. So let's remember that the global marketplace in uh, in many senses has been dead consumers are not engaged uh, manufacturing is not occurring and it's almost like the whole machinery of global trade will have to be restarted it will be restarted and when it restarts i think we're going to find that we have uh, a whole new range of opportunities but i think you know as it relates to our state small businesses and even those in the agricultural sector i was talking to a dairy farmer uh uh just uh, a couple of weeks ago um and uh, and he said, you know, we're finding really interesting export opportunities in all of all places, Southeast Asia. And I said, well, why is that? And he said, because we make a value added uh, product that is so unique and so well liked by foreign consumers. And I thought, well, I've heard that story a hundred times in the state. We can make niche products that are unlike any other, whether it's in agriculture, whether it's in technology and uh, Consumer markets love American products. I mean, that's just a a fundamental reality. And value-added components uh, and products for large uh, and growing middle classes. So if you just stop to assume that, you know, the largest consuming middle classes in the world uh, are now in China and India, Mm -hmm. where they've got middle classes with disposable income that are pushing, uh, you know, three to four hundred million people. Uh, and these markets are, have been turned off temporarily, at least they've been slowed down, but they're going to be up and running again. And I think we have a huge opportunity to capture some of these higher value added markets for agriculture and for niche products and for technology and anything else. What, one of my concerns is, so I, I have a plan to, to double our state's GDP over the next 10 years. One of my concerns longer term, if we're going to make ourselves a crossroads of the world, we're not making any big products here the stuff that really makes the economy function I, I mean we don't we don't build airplanes we don't build cars you know uh, there uh, uh, downstream petrochemical manufacturing a lot of it can't be done here but with an inland port it can that's that's a game changer so as we look to the future you know a lot of what we talk about in terms of today's opportunities cannot be answered today but 5 and 10 years from now which is the horizon that we should be looking at We could be an export dynamo that we're not even envisioning today, making products that have moved from other states and even other countries to the safe haven of a state uh, that is great for uh, employees and workers with higher wage compensation and great for our economic base. Uh, And if we're going to double our state's GDP, I've looked at three specific industries that will allow us to do that, that are going to be critical to America's future and I and I want to be part of that because someone's going to benefit and 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 those are biotechnology and health sciences Which is a global business the other is finance, which is a huge global business You know, why did Charlotte capture the marketplace out of nowhere? I mean nobody imagined Charlotte, North Carolina would ever be a finance center of the world But it is I want to do that, you know, if we can host Goldman Sachs uh, and host them very well that's a small beginning to an ecosystem that should be you know a hundred billion dollar ecosystem uh and uh and uh and then the third is defense so we have a state that's tailor made for cyber for the next generation of drones for next generation warfare and weapon systems. we've got a whole one fifth of our western part of the state that's totally for r and d and we're kind of scratching the surface you know i i i want to call uh you know. My my friends in, you know, Marilyn Houston at Lockheed Martin uh, and David Calhoun, the new CEO at Boeing, and say, you know, why is it that we can't make airplanes here? Why is it that other landlocked states are getting the opportunity and and we're not? So uh, just looking at our future and the possibilities, I get really, really excited because these aren't ordinary times, extraordinary times, and we should be seizing the moment as a crossroads of the world.
1: All right, uh, we're uh, got about 8 minutes to go. If you're just joining us here on KSL News Radio, I'm Boyd Matheson, host of Inside Sources, and Miles Hansen from the World Trade Center Utah. We're currently uh, with John Huntsman, uh, talking about uh, his vision for Utah and the economy. And <clears throat> John, the next uh, question I wanted to throw to you as we kind of pick up the pace in this uh, back half of the uh, question forum. Uh, we we talk a lot about the economic prosperity. And we really want that uh, from our Governor to lead for all Utahs for minority communities, multicultural communities, and our rural communities so as as Governor, what would a Huntsman administration do to ensure that everyone is being part of this uh, as you say crossroads to the world uh, and how do we make sure everyone's participating
4: and benefiting well that that's that's pretty simple let's let's have a marketplace that works for everybody. Let's not have crony capitalism let's have a marketplace that is clean and competitive when it comes to taxes. That's why I worked so hard on tax reform when I was last governor. We still have the same tax system we did you know, when I was governor. It, you know, we delivered the first flat tax in the country. And it's, it's a competitive code, but it does still need to be worked on. And, and let's take a good look at regulatory reform. I don't think we've done that in a very, very long time. So what are the top 50 uh, regulations that hinder business startup and success. I don't care what your background is, what your point of origin is, whether you're just an entrepreneur, you're, you're trying to expand uh, onto an established business. I think a clean marketplace, a competitive marketplace with the state government, because that really is their role. They should always be looking at the competitive dynamic of what it is they're in charge of. So the state You know has enormous power through taxation and regulation they can they can kill business they can put people out but uh on the other hand they can also create uh very competitive markets that attract capital and allow business startup from from any source and that's the kind of marketplace we want to be and encourage people regardless of their background or their means if they want to start up a business uh and give it a go this should be the market that spells Opportunity that spells hope. Uh, if you can't make it happen here, you can't you can't make it happen anywhere. And I think that's really what we should aspire to for everybody. All right, Miles. Yeah, but, you know, as we as we think about the impact of COVID
2: nineteen and, and John, you, you've talked about the opportunities that it creates. What I've been concerned about, and it's been kind of in the back of my mind for the past couple of weeks, is uh, we are seeing a, a, a strong desire for security. For economic security. There's a lot of fear out there. There's a lot of uncertainty. And with that has come a rise in protectionist sentiment. This idea that if we we put up barriers, that that's going to lead to our security. Um, There's no question that we have opportunities to in a need to make sure that we're prepared uh, to think about self-reliance. It's clear that there is increased value now in shorter supply chains, more diversified supply chains. But this protectionist sentiment is something that I think uh, could uh, become a drag on the economy, could uh, prevent us from taking full advantage of the disruption that's in global markets. So I'd be curious for your thoughts, Governor uh, Ambassador Huntsman, how would you balance the need to be prepared and self-reliant while ensuring that as a state, we don't lose sight of the critical role free and open global markets have played in building so much growth and prosperity
4: across the state for decades? Well, thanks, Miles. And you can call me John. I'm not big on those titles, but... Uh... <laughs> You know, it's, it's, it's really kind of a myth that uh, we have a free market out there uh, because uh, virtually every country in the world is protectionist. And, you know, from an average weighted tariff standpoint, we're probably as, uh, as competitive as any. You look at Hong Kong and Singapore, South Korea, they're probably below 5% on an average weighted tariff basis. But you look at some of the others that we compete with, and not only do they have tariff barriers, they have huge non-tariff barriers that really make it impossible. To get your product uh, uh, in, uh, into the marketplace. So uh, let's, let's always remember that stability, political stability, will lead to economic stability. And that's why I think it's so important in this state to, to measure up and to be seen as a safe haven, because I, we don't go anywhere unless we have capital, uh, unless we have a clean regulatory system. Uh, the, those are the fundamentals of being able to take off. And then as we look to the outside world, there are always gonna be uh, markets that uh, are, are accessible. You'll have some that are problematic, there always will be. Uh, the Chinese market will always be problematic. Uh, and uh, you know we can go into a, an eight hour conversation on, on that one, but uh, they're in a state of flux um, and, and they will be. And a lot of manufacturing is moving from China simply because the labor rates are getting very high and they're, they're, they're moving to South Asia. And so over the next, you know, 25 to 50 years, you're going to see not just population, but economic, uh, economics, uh, trade investment migrate somewhere between South Asia and Africa. Uh, that that will be, you know, the, the later part of, uh, of the century. But right now, there are barriers to trade. There will always be barriers to trade. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't always be able to find opportunities that match the aspirations of our exporters and quite frankly, it's probably good that we're taking after the Chinese on intellectual property protection. I, I co-chaired the National Commission on Intellectual Property Theft with, uh, with Admiral Denny Blair, who was uh, our former director of national intelligence. We spent a year on the report, and it right now is the template that, uh, that the, the Trump administration is using to take after China in terms of the tools we have to, to stop their rampant theft of property which uh, probably measures up to $300 billion per year in lost output and innovation uh, uh, out of our hides in the United States. So it's a big deal, and it's about time that somebody take after them, uh, and we're doing that. But these things are going to go on, and the trade friction will always exist. But, you know, much of the marketplace is going to be open, and that's what I love about international trade, is we can always find opportunities that match our aspirations.
1: All right, uh, we've got just uh, one minute to go, so quick answer here, uh, final question, Uh, and that is we we have a lot of uh, risks, obviously, uh, to maintain our economic prosperity. Uh, As you look at a first 100 days in a Huntsman administration, what would you do to uh, make sure we're addressing the big risks and making sure we're getting towards the the big success and prosperity?
4: So the big risk is always going to say, you know, uh, if capital isn't coming here, uh, then we need to know why. And it's exactly what I did as governor before. So capital is a coward. It will always flee risk and find a safe haven. I want more capital. So why is Denver getting more capital than we are? You know, we should should ask those hard questions and say, what more can we do? And that's going to take us right to our our regulatory uh, 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 circumstances. It's going to take us to our tax policy. uh, And it's going to take uh, right to where people perceive our market to be uh, on a global basis in terms of safety. And those are the issues you have to address, first and foremost. If you don't do that, then you're just going to be talking and, and talking endlessly and never getting any result.
1: All right. John Huntsman, former ambassador from the U.S. to Russia and China, candidate for the Republican nominee for governor here in the state of Utah. Thanks so much for joining us today, sir. And uh, we appreciate your time. Thank you. All right. Uh, again, if you're just joining us, it's a, a 90 minute special gubernatorial forum today brought to you by KSL Inside Sources and World Trade Center, Utah. My tag team partner, Miles Hansen. And uh, we just heard from the former governor, former ambassador, John Huntsman, and his view of the economics in uh, Utah's unique place in the world. And I believe now we uh, have former speaker of the house. Greg Hughes uh, is uh, next into the hot seat. Mr. Speaker, welcome to the program. Nope. It's
0: Greg. You can call me Greg. Citizen right. Greg.
1: <laughs> Citizen Greg. All right. We're going to get right at it. The uh, shot clock is, yep. is is set for seventeen minutes, and we're going to try to move through as much as we can uh, here. Uh, we we've, we've been talking a lot about uh, Utah's unique place in the world, the uh, the history of the state as one that is not content to just be here, but reaches out as an example to the nation and to the world in so many things. Uh, as governor. What's your role in terms of continuing that legacy? What does it mean to carry that uh, legacy of uh, a world vision on there? Uh, And what do you think the opportunities are in terms of this unique, challenging time that we live
0: in? Well, thanks for having me on the program. And uh, we've got a great uh, advocate in Miles Hanson. I've enjoyed traveling internationally with him when I was Speaker of the House and and working on these very issues. And we've got a great champion in him. He's truly a leader. We're lucky to have him in the state of Utah. This is what we are, we're, the, we're a pioneering state. And when I say pioneering, uh, not just from around the United States, but from all over the world, that's the, that's the history and heritage of our state. Uh, you add from, uh, from that, the high, the, the, being a pioneering state, the fact that we have children in dual language immersion uh, classes, you've got, um, let me see, let me look, uh, we got what, almost 60,000 kids that are, uh, that are going and learning new languages. And they're not just learning the language, they're learning curriculum in those languages. And those languages, they're uh, Spanish, Chinese, French, Portuguese. These kids, I've been to the assemblies. When these children are uh, uh, presenting to their parents and their grandparents, I'm sitting there as a lawmaker. I don't understand a word these kids are saying, but the grins on the faces of these parents, grandparents, family members, uh, you couldn't make. you couldn't see more proud family because we know the world is flat. We know that the global supply chain is getting stronger and I know what's in the minds of these families. They see these children with an economic advantage, a way to pursue language skills, not only uh, their life as the world gets smaller, but also economic opportunities. And I don't, if you look at our numbers of students learning uh, dual language immersion courses, the way we are, where they're college ready by the time before they get to high school, uh, that puts us at a competitive advantage uh, that no other state can touch. We have by, not just by, uh, per capita as a smaller state by raw number of students. We have far more students uh, than any other state. So you take that, you take a pioneering state, you take the dual immersion, and then you take our the predominant faith where we have people that go all over this world and learn new cultures and, and experience and meet new people, bringing back that perspective to the state. Uh, I, I don't know a state that could be more prepared uh, for a global supply chain and for economic development uh, internationally. And I'm proud as governor, I'd be proud to lead that uh, this state and all it's done up till now and make sure we continue it forward
2: all right over to miles Greg, great to see you on screen you know I, I think the listeners would would appreciate this you know when we were traveling internationally we went into a suit shop and i'll tell you i've never seen somebody that's more effective at negotiating a price of her suit than than greg is i've got a couple of great priced good looking suits uh thanks to you greg so i appreciate it appreciate that helping all of us uh, look good and for your leadership on on that trip. So, Greg, a little bit of data, and then I'll ask questions. So, international trade investment supports nearly one in four jobs here in the state of Utah. We know that the backbone of Utah's economy is small business and 85% of exporters here in the state. are small businesses and international sales add nearly $5 billion in revenue for these small businesses. Over the past couple of years, Utah has led the country with the highest export growth rate, Based on your interactions with businesses across the state, uh, as you're campaigning, you're talking to businesses and industry leaders. Where do you see the greatest opportunities to build on the international trade and investment success we've had, particularly now as we look towards recovering from the COVID pandemic?
0: Thank you, Miles. Look, I've never run for governor before, so I've never had all these different cottage meetings and uh, town hall meetings, uh, local leader lunches, breakfasts. Uh, You can't get into a community in the state of Utah, and I don't care where you're going where there aren't uh, markets, there aren't there isn't business occurring. And we have, as you've pointed out, a lot of markets where we export. So you have agriculture, you have alfalfa, you have hay. We have, uh, in our extraction industry, we have coal. We have high sulfur, low sulfur, high BTU coal. We have oil, very low sulfur, waxy crude oil. We have areas, but what we have in these same areas where we have the economy going and we have exports happening, it's happening in spite of the barriers uh, to markets that exist in an inland state like Utah. That's why I've been very bullish as speaker. My last year as speaker, we worked really hard to create a Utah Inland Port Authority, uh, a board and a process to make sure that we could could see, and I hope very soon, a system of US custom bonded ports that would allow for the existing economies and existing uh, exports we have now, lowering those barriers uh, because we have a superior rail system. We have a rail system Uh, from every coastal port in the West Coast, finds its way into the state of Utah somewhere. Not in the same place, but somewhere. We have a road system of I-15 that goes starts in Alaska, goes through Canada, Western United States, and through Mexico. You have I-80 that goes across the country, same as I-70. We have airports, uh, the only rebuild of an international airport in the country that also includes uh, increased freight capacity plus other good airports in our state. If inland ports work, and they do around this world, And they are an ecosystem for greater and stronger economic activity than an inland port uh, in Utah with all of those transportation infrastructure advantages I've just described. It is going to lower those barriers that exist for the existing uh, industries today and sectors we have today. Plus, it will be an ecosystem to see more manufacturing, more jobs that will be drawn to those. That's, That's easier said than done, but that's the work of a governor. That's what you have to do. Uh, to make sure that we get, that we can make that global supply chain even stronger, become a link in that global supply chain. Uh, as we talked about the heritage of this state, it's hand in glove with the opportunities that we have to be a major exporter and receiving of imports from around the world.
1: If you're just joining us, uh, this is a special candidate forum, uh, the GOP candidates for the uh, Republican uh, nominee for governor uh right here on KSL News Radio Boyd Matheson here along with Miles Hansen from World Trade Center Utah asking the questions uh we currently have Greg Hughes in the hot seat and uh Greg as we talk about prosperity a lot of the unrest we see uh, around the country in particular there there seems to always be this haves and have-nots as we talk about prosperity here in the state of Utah how do we ensure that our minority our multicultural and our rural communities uh, are all part of a prosperous future in the
0: state you board boyd it's an important question look growing the economic pie if you do it right it hits every demographic you've just described we do have a tale of two worlds right now we have 29 counties in the state of utah and we have four uh, counties along the wasatch front utah county salt lake county davis county and weaver we have shoehorned in it's it's uh you know infrastructure water railroads the population 80 percent of utah's population lives in just four counties in this valley it's a mountainous valley of 130 miles it's, it's packed up, it's, it's pretty crowded, congestion failure, cost of living's high. You have tw- at least 22 counties that have never seen a day of economic growth. This, this uh, spans the different demographics, uh, different Utahns of all different walks of life. If you grow this economic pie and, you, and you, we're able to do the things I've described, where you have a U.S. custom bonded port, bringing infrastructures throughout the rest of the state. We connect these rail spurs in a very efficient way. We bring water uh, you need water to grow, and we have water. But we need stronger water infrastructure. When you bring the roads and you widen these roads and let commerce occur on these roads outside of just four counties, bringing that investment as a state to counties that have never seen it before, you are reaching uh, the pop- you're reaching Utahns from all walks of life. That rising tide lifts all ships, and that's how you see uh, economic prosperity and opportunity for all of Utahns. And I'm telling you, this won't work. If we're not doing it that way, you can't keep shoehorning it all into four counties only. Uh, This is the play for the state of Utah going forward. And there is no stronger play for the rest of this state to see the whole state grow and have those economic opportunities than through becoming a link in the global supply chain where it's just waiting for us. The state's been talking about this since 1978 uh, in terms of uh, inland port, a system of ports. How do we do it? It's time to it's time to get that. uh, All
2: right, Miles, next question. You know, Greg, let's talk a little bit about the impact of COVID-19 on global markets. Uh, there's no question that we're seeing a, a premium on shorter supply chains, more diversified supply chains, which creates opportunities here in Utah to build our manufacturing base, to, to, to bring companies from overseas back here to the state of Utah. There's been a, a, we've been uh, shown that we need to be prepared. We need to be in a position to be self-reliant. At the same time, something that's been, been nagging on, on my mind Uh, for the past couple of weeks, is we're seeing a rise in protectionist sentiment. We're seeing more popular support for putting up trade barriers, whether it's tariffs or or limiting uh, foreign investment. And that uh, inevitably increased costs for producers, it increased costs for consumers, it creates a drag on our economy. So my question is this, as governor, how would you balance the need to be prepared and self-reliant while ensuring that as a state we don't lose sight of the critical role free and open global markets have played in building so much growth and prosperity across the state for decades.
0: Thank you, Miles. Look, I'd look to this president and what he's brought since the day he was elected and his understanding of our trade and our trade relationships. Look, NAFTA, uh, back in the day, I probably was on Al Gore's side instead of Ross Perot's thinking that NAFTA would be a great great advantage. 680,000 jobs were outsourced uh, in the United States, and that's a number from 1994 to 2010 not including this last decade, 80% of those were manufacturing jobs. TPP, uh, going out Trans-Pacific Partnership, we we saw more outsourcing of jobs happen there. Uh, Our trade deficits have been growing. Uh, If you look at the phase one agreement with President Trump, our administration, and China, this is the way to do it. This phase one said, look, life's got to be a two-way street you got $400 million in your in your middle class. It's buying power. We want to be able to uh, meet, meet your markets or reach your markets. You lower your tariffs. You can't have high tariffs for the United States and then enjoy no tariffs at all as you come into our, our country. We're going to do it the same way. What you see in the phase one agreement is you've seen uh, the lowering of tariffs by China for our goods coming across uh, the country. You've seen the, uh, some duties that have become exempt. It's just a phase one. There's much more work to be done. But when you see that, you're and also a commitment from China to really be committed to buying the you know, the things that we produce here in the United States. We, in turn, lowered some of those tariffs that the president had raised because it, life was not a two-way street. I love the way the president's looking at trade partners saying, we're going to have to do this in a way uh, where, where you, you treat people the way you want to be treated. I don't know that NAFTA, TPP did that. I do know that phase one with China is working towards that. Look, what's interesting about Utah, when you look at those opportunities, we have not seen uh, trade increase in the state of Utah with China, as we've seen uh, growing by 200 plus percent around the country. I think we've got to be focused. I think that's going to take leadership. Uh, I, as Speaker of the House, we had a unique relationship with a province in China. Uh, look, you can't disregard it. our kids are learning Mandarin Chinese in that dual language immersion I described. These kids are our future. We can let spy games be spy games. We wanna protect intellectual property, but we have things like coal. We have things like oil. We have, we have agriculture, hay and alfalfa. We have partnerships that we could create and strengthen right now that really aren't uh, realizing its potential. And so I love how the president has stared at these trade agreements. We've walked away from some that were fun- fundamentally not fair. It wasn't fair trade. And he's exploring and really pushing China to, to be uh, fair in his trade relationships but utah should be taking greater advantage of that right now
1: all right next question we've got about uh, four and a half minutes to go here and uh, w- we're looking at some of the challenges obviously that face the state of utah economically and the opportunities as well so i, I want you to project forward greg and look at the the first hundred days of a hughes administration uh, tell us what are the biggest risks facing the utah economy and what would you do specifically what actions would you take in those first hundred days
0: well, look, we got to give this economy in Utah even a chance to to get on its feet again. We're in this color code right now where we're restricting assembly of you know, people, the right mm-hmm. to assemble. How many people can be in the same room? We're still trying to trickle out uh, this economy. You cannot burn down the village to save the village. We have to let people get back to work. You can't even open your schools if you're not back to work. We live in difficult times. We have a virus that's, uh, that's here. It's taught us. We don't have the time to talk about it, but that self-reliance that we need to have um, it's not protectionism, or you can use the word protectionism, but we have the opportunity to create a lot of lot more manufacturing through these uh, inland ports, but we have to be self-reliant. We don't want the supply chain uh, to be interrupted or wait for things to come from a- abroad if those supply chains are interrupted like a virus. Uh, we need to be able to make those things right now. First hour, first day on, on the job, we have to have this economy back and running. We have to be able to... Uh, attract if there's manufacturing that needs to come back to this this country so that we can be self-reliant and we can send good things overseas the state of utah is the place that can happen better than any other place in the country and look we have i have a track record for it uh, as speaker when we went to to, to uh, switzerland largest rail car manufacturer in europe comes to looking to come to the united states looking at coastal ports looking all over we showed them that there were great advantages in coming to the state of utah we brought go Governor's Office of Economic Development with us. We brought higher ed to show that we could train workforce. 370, almost 400 jobs are here now after they've domiciled here in, in Utah in just three years. Millions of dollars of suppliers and new supplies happening. More companies coming in. We've done it. I've done it as Speaker of the House, and I can certainly do it uh, to a much greater extent as governor of the state of Utah. This is a. We are a young state, and we are a healthy state, and our prospects of becoming the leader in, in the global supply chain exports, especially, but imports as well, imports and exports, we have uh, we stand at a place and an advantage that no other state has. And uh, but it takes work to get there. And uh, I'd ask for your listener support uh, for the Hughes Iverson ticket, because uh, we've worked on these things as public servants and we can do even more.
1: All right. Uh, Miles, a quick question. And uh, Greg, about a minute for the response.
2: You know, Greg, uh, final closing statement from, from, from your side. I, I
0: was being succinct. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, you you well. Well, we're ahead of time here. Uh, final thoughts. What else? We have, What else? we talk talking about economy, international engagement. What is the, the, the last thing you want your uh, the listeners to take away about how you would lead as governor out there on the global stage?
0: Miles, what I would say, and you know this because, again, we've traveled together in these these with the goal. We have to have measurable goals. Um, I'm not interested in what uh, Forbes ranks Utah or says that we've done a phenomenal job in this uh, virus right, right now. I'm not interested in what Harvard says. I heard these these rankings that uh, that were thrown out there. You know who I'm meeting with? I'm meeting with business owners, small business owners. I'm meeting with Utahns who whose jobs and their household incomes been interrupted. This virus is being felt the full weight of this virus is being born on the backs of working people of this state and Utah needs a governor that understands that appreciates that is not heralding all the great success happening right now because people are hurting but the way forward is exactly what we're talking about and this is why I'm glad that uh, we're having this discussion and hosted by and 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 really uh, pushed by our, our World Trade Center and Miles Hansen your leadership we can do this through all the things we've just discussed we have such a great advantage in this global economy and Bringing manufacturing back to America, but specifically to Utah, making our own pharmaceuticals, finding ways to get these these products that we make overseas export exports to play. Uh, And then again, if we want to trade, just make sure we have a president like President Trump, making sure that trade is a a fair trade and life's a two way street. Uh, That's what we get with this president. I support this president. Not not afraid uh, to say it. And uh, as governor, it's a lot of hard work, as you well know. But it's work uh, worth doing. It's been hard up till now. You get a lot of pushback on inland ports, but it's good to see that all the candidates now for governor, they embrace it. They see the vision and uh, and it's important for our state.
1: All right. Former Speaker of the House, Greg Hughes, candidate for governor here in the state of Utah. Greg, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, if you're just joining us, uh, you are listening to a live forum uh, for the Republican Party's nomination for governor in the state of Utah. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor of the Deseret News and host of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Uh, pleased to be joined today by my tag team partner, Miles Hansen, CEO of World Trade Center Utah, doing some great work over there as well. Uh, as we get to the top of the hour, a quick uh, station ID. You are listening to KSL-FM Midvale, KSL-AM Salt Lake City. Uh, And again, uh, this is part of our special coverage, a 90-minute forum today with each of the four candidates on the Republican side for governor. And we're talking the economics of it all and Utah's unique role in the world. And uh, we have one candidate uh, to go. And so we're just standing by as uh, uh, Thomas Wright, uh, former chairman of the Utah Republican Party, will be uh, logging in and joining us and uh miles a fascinating conversation thus far and uh we've got one candidate to go and uh, anything from the uh the world trade center perspective that we should be thinking about as we go uh, towards uh, the back part of this uh forum today
2: you know boyd i i think for one uh a lot of gratitude that all the candidates, there's a lot they could be doing right now. So grateful that they'd all take time to share their thoughts with us. You know, a couple of key takeaways as I see it. One, clearly uh, we've got a, a great bench of candidates here for the GOP uh, nomination. Uh, all of them have demonstrated their commitment to continue to lead Utah on the global stage and an awareness of the, the, the way that we need to leverage this global engagement to bring very real benefits for Utah companies. And so it's been encouraging over the past three conversations. I'm sure Thomas uh look forward to hearing what he has to say as we run through our questions with him.
1: All right, fantastic. And that's Miles. Hanson, uh, CEO of the World Trade Center, Utah. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. If you've missed any of the forum today, uh, you can listen to that on demand on KSL News Radio's KSL Politics Podcast or Inside Sources Podcast on KSL News Radio app or KSLNewsRadio.com or wherever you get your podcast these days. Uh, important conversation about the future of the country and the future of Utah in it uh, as well as around the world. And so we're very pleased now to be joined. Uh, by our fourth and final candidate today, uh, Thomas Wright is joining us. There he is, Thomas. How you doing today? Great. Thanks for having me on, Boyd, and nice to see you, Miles, so to speak. Yeah, all right, <laughs> we're we're safely social distancing uh, all the way around, and uh, so we're going to get right at it. We've got 17 minutes on the clock, and uh, so we're going to go for it here, Thomas. Uh, Thomas, as you know, as a as a business person, uh, that Utah really since its founding has had this this history of entrepreneurship and uh, and not just being content to be here in the west. Uh, we are a model of a free market economy, strong institutions, of civil society, a great window in, window out to the world in terms of a laboratory of democracy. So I want you to think in terms of what is your role, what is your responsibility as a governor to continue that legacy to make sure Utah continues not only to prosper here at home, but around the country and around the world? Well, we
5: can leverage our advantages by letting people know about our language skills, our quality of life. diversity knowledge of markets, the languages we speak, the cultures we understand, uh, Utah's amazing technical colleges, public and private universities, and look what we've done in the high tech sector. Utahns have a strong history as global citizens. Our friends and neighbors speak dozens of languages. Uh, We've showed that during the Olympics, for example, uh, how we can welcome the world to Utah. And despite being a small state, we have an international airport with direct flights daily to Europe. Canada, I believe Mexico, and I just read that Seoul, South Korea could be added as a likely destination. So we need to do more to recruit multinational companies to Utah. We've done really well locally with our local businesses and we have a great tech sector, but in many ways we've underperformed on this multinational uh, company advantage that we could have. So we have a great small business community, like I said, and a tech community, but we've got to attract multinational corporations to Utah when they're considering relocation. And so as governor, I want to explore why we're not finding them and then formalize a plan to do better. And I believe Utah's international engagement is an important aspect of our economy. Uh, so in our search for overseas markets, we can't lose focus on what is important here at home. We've got to continue to support our great uh, economy here in Utah, our private sector, and we've got to be able to leverage our international investments and our international opportunities. So More than ever before, innovation will drive Utah and the world's economies. Uh, So we need to make sure that we're investing in our education system. That has to be the most important long-term priority for Utah if we want to sustain and advance our position in the world. So I would say that uh, we need to look at our state and local tax structures. We need to look at deregulating the economy, making sure government's getting out of the way. But we also need to make sure that Utah maintains its image as a world-class business destination.
2: All right. Uh, next question goes over to Miles. You know, Thomas. Thank you for making time to be with us today. It's thank great Kyle. to see you on screen. Yeah. You know, a little bit of data to tee up a question. So, international trade and investment supports nearly one in four jobs here in the state of Utah. We all know that small business is the backbone of Utah's economy, and eighty-five percent of exporters here in the state are small businesses. And international sales add nearly five billion dollars in revenue for these small businesses every single year. Utah's led the country. Uh, with the highest export growth rate over the past couple of years. So based on your interaction with businesses across the state, as you're out there campaigning, meeting with people, understanding their needs and, and the, the opportunities we have here uh, in our state, where do you see the greatest opportunities, either from businesses or from an industry perspective, to build on the international trade and investment success we've had, particularly now as we look towards recovering from the COVID-19 pandemic?
5: Well, let me tell you, being on the campaign trail is so much fun. Utahns are incredible. They're so competitive. And we know that we're, when we are on a level playing field in Utah, we can compete with anyone. We're not afraid of competition, and we're naturally open and trusting of other people's and cultures. So we need to do more to promote Utah and its businesses globally. We have great tech, biotech, defense. Uh, we've got great natural resource industries. They need our help in promoting them globally. And despite COVID, globalization will continue and we will need to continue trade. There are great opportunities, for example, in Central America and South America for the medical devices that we're producing and other technologies we have. We have to build on our successes globally with our biomed and tech, uh, defense and medical fields. The pandemic has really taught us one thing, and that's something we probably should have learned a long time ago and that is reliance on a hostile country for critical raw materials and products is a recipe for disaster. Price gouging and limited and non-existent supplies of products and logistical challenges has plagued the US response to the pandemic, and it's happened to us here in Utah. So this isn't just limited to the current health crisis. Our reliance on hostile or unreliable countries to provide key strategic materials threatens our long-term military operational status and limits our ability to produce highly advanced products. So we need to make sure that we encourage additional investment in our state. Utah's uniquely positioned to address the healthcare supply issues with the world-class biomed, pharma, and device manufacturing company community. And we need to make sure also, as I was reminded of this in Richfield last night, we need to make sure that our mining sector is well positioned to support the domestic supply of key metals and minerals. And that includes copper, magnesium, and beryllium.
1: All right, thank you. Uh, there's a lot of unrest, obviously, in the in the country, and some here, even in the state of Utah. Uh, much of it uh, gets down to this sort of haves and the have-nots. Uh, in in many instances, as we look to the future, as we look to the economy, as we look to Utah prospering, how do we make sure we we get past the haves and the have-nots? How do we make sure that our minority communities, our multicultural communities, and especially our rural communities, that they are part of that success and part of that prosperity? What would you do as governor?
5: Well, we need to make sure we help our minority communities not only start businesses and own businesses, but we need to make sure that they are succeeding. And we do a great job of welcoming people to the world, and we should do nothing less than for them when it comes to economic opportunities. We need to make sure that we're, we're looking at that and that we're paying attention to that. That's really important. When it comes to rural communities, let me tell you, they have been ignored for so long in rural Utah. It's one of the hardest things I've seen on the campaign trail. Uh, we, need to, we need to prioritize rural Utah and recognize that a graduating senior in Price or Richfield or Kanab or Tremont is no less capable than someone in Salt Lake City. They just need opportunity in rural Utah. In today's interconnected society, business can be done anywhere. We need to get them broadband and mentoring so we can create new economic hotspots in rural Utah. There's so much opportunity there. We've talked about rural Utah for years, but the challenge in getting supplies to and from this area adds costs for businesses. That's why the inland port and satellite ports around the state could really help. That with other incentives, tax rates and tax credits and creating opportunity zones in rural Utah to level the playing field will really help. And I want to focus on all of those areas the first 100 days I'm governor and have a rural economic diversification plan, always working with local leaders to make sure we have the education and the infrastructure and the training. Uh, Utah, we have to invest in our public and higher education system. I think that is so critical, and I said it in the previous answer, and I want to say it again. We've got to bridge the distance between urban and rural in Utah, and you do that by investing in infrastructure so that all students have a level playing field to compete in the global economy.
1: All right, if you're just joining a special forum here on Inside Sources today on KSL News Radio. I'm Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News, joined by Miles Hansen, CEO of World Trade Center Utah. We've been interviewing each of the four candidates for governor here in the state of Utah on the Republican side,
2: and uh, Miles, uh, the next question for Thomas Wright goes to you. Yep, absolutely. Thanks, Boyd. So Thomas, so in a previous response, you hit on a couple of points I think are really important. So I think I would like to go a little bit deeper on that. You know, we you talked about how COVID has is put into the forefront the need for us to be prepared, to make sure that we're self-reliant, that we aren't reliant on a hostile country that is uh, you know responsible for, you know, key products and supplies that we need to keep ourselves safe and healthy and make sure we're, we're secure and keep the economy going. Um, and that is, that is so true and so important for us as a state to make sure we're thinking seriously about being prepared, that we're thinking about being self-reliant and making sure that the terms of trade are both free and fair. You know, I, one thing that's been a, a nagging concern on my mind is as we focus on that, you know, the pendulum at times can swing a little bit too far. And what we're seeing is that there is a rise in protectionist sentiments here in the United States and many, many other countries in the world And as people are, uh, you know, desperate for security, we're seeing increasing popularity for uh, bringing up trade barriers, for slowing down foreign investment, to increase costs for doing trade. And I'd be curious to get your thoughts as governor. How would you balance the need to be prepared, to be self-reliant, to make sure that we're engaging uh, with our national leaders internationally, that we are making sure we're advocating for free and fair trade? while at the same time making sure that we don't lose sight of the critical role that these open global markets have played in building so much growth and prosperity across the state for decades.
5: Well, there's a lot to unpack there, Maz. It's really well said. Uh, let, let me just first start off by saying that one of the things we need to do to make sure that we don't have, Ch- well, we, we need to make sure China's not ripping us off and stealing our trade secrets and our intellectual property. Uh, we need to have patent law in this country. We need to protect those who create ideas. And that's one of the biggest challenges I think we have with China is they're constantly stealing our our intellectual property. We've also learned in COVID, as you said, that we need to be self-reliant. We cannot rely on the federal government or other producers in China for personal protective equipment. I've been really uncomfortable with that. We can never let that mistake happen again. We need to incentivize local businesses to add to the supply chain for critical health equipment. And we've seen that with Merit Medical Uh, Their CEO, Fred Lampropoulos has endorsed me in this race because he believes we need more business people in government. But I've been out to that facility. They retooled the facility with their engineers to be able to create COVID testing. Uh, We waited too long in the state of Utah to call on our own industries to do that. And the United States needs to learn in this particular case, as does the state of Utah, we cannot be reliant on foreign or or international sources for personal protective equipment. We can never do that to our healthcare professionals again. But why we do that, as you said, Miles, we can't turn inward and put up trade barriers with the rest of the world. So it's a fine line, it's a balancing act. Uh, we can't give up our competitive advantages, but we have to protect our businesses. So we just have to make sure that, that when we're looking at these dis- disruptions in the supply chain, that we have more vertical integration. Companies that have vertical integration have done better during this pandemic than those that don't, and we need to encourage that. Uh, so it's a fine balancing act that I that I understand, and as governor, I want to address that with our local business leaders. But let's never put ourselves in that position again of putting our healthcare professionals who are risking their lives uh, at the expense of not having all this personal protective equipment here in Utah.
1: All right, uh, coming down the home stretch here uh, with Thomas Wright, uh, the final candidate on our special forum today on KSL News Radio. Uh, Thomas, you've mentioned both your your business experience and background, and how you approach things uh, from a business perspective. Uh, obviously, we want to look at Utah's economy and your role if you were to be the governor. Uh, to make sure that that continues, that it, we overcome economic barriers, that we create paths to prosperity. Uh, and so I, I want you to take just a couple of minutes and uh, talk about what would a first 100 days uh, of a right administration look like? What barriers, what risks would you be getting out of the way? And what would you be driving in terms of policy or action in those critical first 100 days?
5: Well the first 100 days are the most exciting, Boyd. I, I, I can't sleep at night thinking about how much we could get done. Uh, number one is we need to make sure that we come out of this pandemic stronger than we went into it. We have a lot of Utahns that are unemployed. So the very first thing that we need to do is we need to identify the career pathways and connect our unemployed citizens that want retraining with those career pathways using our vocational and technical mm-hmm. schools and our systems of higher education. By doing that, they can find careers that they never probably thought were possible. We've had a shortage in so many of the trades, right? Machinists, uh, mechanics, plumbing, electrical, uh, so many areas, right? And there's so many things that we can do. So I wanna connect all of those institutions and our technical colleges with our citizens. They are the ones that invested in them all these years. They're the ones that should benefit. And I wanna do that right out of the gate. We also need to make sure that we deal with our growth issues. Uh, and the growth issues are related to transportation infrastructure, and that includes, in rural Utah, the lack of funding they have for their transportation infrastructure. They are not getting enough uh, investment, but we've got to make sure we balance the urban and rural component. We also need to make sure that we're looking at water. Water is a long-term challenge for the state of Utah, and in the first 100 days, I want to start to put a plan together to make sure that we are using our water resources effectively. We're conserving water, but we're not losing claim to our water rights as the water flows beyond our borders. So. And and I would say the other thing is affordable housing. It makes me really uncomfortable that we're 55,000 housing units short in this state. There are families that are dealing with a lot of ramifications of that. Behavioral health challenges with their children, children not meeting their potential in school. I want to tackle the affordable housing challenge right out of the gate and put a plan together with local municipalities and cities, never being heavy handed with them, but helping to inspire and identify opportunities that we can help. Uh, get more people into housing. And just finally, I'd say our education, I've stressed it, not just on the technical and retraining. We need to make sure we're treating our teachers with respect. Our human capital is what makes Utah great. We don't have the best economy in the world or in the country because of government. We have it because of our people, because our government gets out of the way. Let's look at regulation and make sure it's as good as it can be. I believe there's so much more that we can do to deregulate our economy. Let's make sure our tax structure's fair, so that everybody gets to benefit from our success, not just a few with loopholes. And let's spread out the prosperity and motivate our citizens to get back out onto the workforce. That's how we're going to get Utah back on its feet. And be, those will be the things that I focus on in my first 100 days. I'm really excited about them. And I'm running for governor because I love to work. I understand the value of hard work. I've been looking at balance sheets and profit and loss statements for 12 years. I know how the economy works. I know how to get Utah's back to work. I'm not a professional politician. And the first 100 days, people would see a dramatic change and a shift in how the state of Utah was being was being operated.
1: All right. And I think we've got time for to squeeze in one uh, quick question. Uh, Miles, if you want to get one final thing, we've got about two minutes to go and uh, you get the last word.
2: It's great. Thank you, Thomas, for being with us. You know, that was a great overview of, of both issues and also your background. You know, voters uh, have ballots in hand. I received mine in the mail just a, a couple of days ago. What's the last thing that you'd like to to, to let voters know about you as we conclude our discussion today?
5: Well, for 16 years, we've had the same people handing the baton of power back and forth to each other. And while they're good people, I believe that we need new perspectives in state government. I don't think the same people there for an extended period of time creates the sharpest outcomes. And so I would just say, look, we've done well in Utah. We need to build on those successes and we need to continue to build on them as we've talked today, Miles. I mean, we've talked a lot about diversifying our economies, right, and attracting multinational corporations and opening up those supply chains and and eliminating protectionism and still looking out for Utah businesses. We need to continue to do all that. We also have some challenges. We need to get 200,000 people back to work. And so Governor Wright, when he walks into the Capitol on day one, is going to be all about looking out for the taxpayer. I'm going to sit in the governor's office, and I'm going to think about how do we make our tax structure more fair? How do we look out for the little guy? I represent the little guy in this race. I don't have the big endorsements. I don't have the big uh, money behind me. I'm running as somebody who's never held public elected office. And I hear all the time people say, how do we get new people into government? This is their opportunity in the state of Utah to elect somebody that's qualified, experienced, conservative, and will be looking out for them at every turn. And by doing that, we can keep Utah on top. That's how we got there let 's continue to do the things that got us there by putting a fresh perspective and putting utah 's talented people in office there's so many talented people in the state. I want to be a governor of the people, one that listens to them, that partners with them, and says to them, How do we solve the problems in your local community? And then let's get to work. Let's roll up our sleeves and let's do what we do in Utah. And that's work hard and
1: make it happen. All right. That's candidate Thomas Wright uh, joining us on our special forum mm-hmm. here on KSL News Radio, Inside Sources. Uh, Thomas, thanks so much for uh, spending some time with us today. Thank you, boy. Thank you, Miles, for having me on. All right. And there you have it. Those are the four. Uh, GOP candidates for the nomination for governor in the state of Utah. Uh, some fascinating conversation today here on KSL News Radio. Uh, been great to be with Miles Hansen, CEO of World Trade Center Utah, uh, really giving us that international perspective and flair, uh, and, and focus in terms of where the opportunities are. Uh, Miles, just in our, uh, our closing minutes here, uh, obviously ballots are out. Uh, they are hitting mailboxes as we speak uh engaging in the process is important being an informed voter is even more important uh what are some of the things that you're thinking about now having listened to these four candidates uh, over the last 90 minutes, uh, that you hope voters will be thinking about as they get ready to mark their ballots and send them in.
2: Yeah, that's a great question, Boyd. And, and wow, you know, inside sources is normally the quickest 60 minutes on the radio. I think we've learned today that the same is true when we go for the full 90 minutes. I can't believe it, that we've already been uh, on air now for, for just about 90 minutes. And again, deeply grateful to all the candidates for spending time with us today. You know, as, as I listen to the candidates and, and I think about, you know, the, this, uh, uh, responsibility and the accountability that all voters have to think deeply about uh, who to vote for. You know, this is a sacred opportunity that we have here in our state, and our country, that is not the case in many of the places that I've lived previously. In fact, uh, one out of uh, you know five countries I've lived in, do we have this opportunity? You know, I would encourage listeners and voters to think deeply about where they want the state to be in 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, we are at a generational moment, in my opinion, here in the state. There is so much challenge. With challenge comes opportunity. And we listened today. Each candidate uh, has a, a distinct perspective and background and experience that they would bring uh, to the governorship if, 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 if they're elected. And so I'd really encourage listeners to think about that long-term vision they have for the state. Think about what they've heard today and what, from the candidates in other forums and debates. And then to go ahead and, and choose that candidate and vote for that candidate that seems best equipped to deliver on that vision that, that all of us individually have. And I think that here in Utah, we've got such great social cohesion uh, that there's a lot of uh, unity in vision and purpose across the state. So it's going to be fascinating to see how this unfolds over the next couple of weeks.
1: That's right. We are coming down the home stretch. Uh, June 30th is the official uh, primary day. And of course, uh, ballots are hitting mailboxes. Many of us have already received them. Uh, we've had a number of folks text in and say they've they've cast their vote today. Uh, hopefully those were uh, listening to the forum, getting some insight on the candidates and then casting, uh, an informed vote, uh, as they move everything forward. If, if you missed any of the forum today, you, you can listen to it in its entirety. Today's forum will be available to listen to on demand on KSL News Radio's KSL Politics podcast, uh, also available on Inside Sources pol- Podcast. And again, you can get those on the KSL News Radio app. Or you can get those at KSLnewsradio.com or wherever your favorite podcast pickup location is, uh, you can do that today as well. a couple of things that I hope uh, everyone is is really paying attention to and thinking through. Uh whenever you're listening to a candidate, it's so important to to kind of reflect and say, okay, as I listen to this candidate, uh did they talk in generalities or did they talk in specifics? I, I love kind of getting to that. Can they get to the nitty gritty of it? Can you see them as a leader? Uh, What kind of vision do you have as you listen to them? Do you find yourself just thinking about the candidate or do you find yourself thinking about yourself and your family, your neighborhood, your community? Uh, Those are all really important things to look at. Uh, Vision matters. Leadership is going to be so important uh, in this state uh, moving into the next decade, which is what we should be looking at. Uh, We have a unique opportunity to really lead out. Uh, again, very grateful to uh, our partners at World Trade Center Utah, Miles Hansen. Miles, thanks for uh, joining us today. Uh, 30 seconds, a final thought.
2: You know, thank you, boy. This was a fantastic uh, partnership. We appreciate you and the KSL team for uh, uh, partnering with us on this. Uh, final thoughts is uh, we all have reason to be optimistic. We all should have confidence. Uh, there's a lot of uncertainty out there. There's a lot of fear. Uh, we have great leadership here in the state. We've had great leadership for decades, and that's going to continue here over the coming months and years. And I think all of us can use that optimism, use the, the, the position that we're in as a state to really lead out. And we have an opportunity here as a state. You know, you think about, you know, the light on the hill. And that's what we've thought about America. You know, I think moving forward, uh, Washington is going to get worse and worse at doing its job. We have a lot of division and gridlock uh, but that puts a premium on states. And there's an opportunity for us here as a state to really lead out. And through our international engagement, it's an opportunity for us to to make our candlestick a little bit taller so that light can shine a little bit brighter. And the leadership that we choose is so important to lead us out in that effort. And so this is a a very consequential uh, election and a a primary and really encourage people to think deeply about that, uh, about that. And then make sure they go out and vote and so that their voice can be heard and they can participate in this very important process.
1: All right. Fantastic. Miles Hansen, CEO of World Trade Center Utah, special gubernatorial candidate forum today here on a 90 minute edition of Inside Sources. I am Boyd Matheson, an opinion editor at the Deseret News. It has been wonderful to be with you. Uh, and as on all days, vote and then make sure you go out into the world and see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something that makes a difference. Stay with us here on KSL News Radio.